booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I am not Deb Valentine. I am Frank Diaz with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here is everything you need to know. The top five at five. That half measures often don't work, and so I think what the judge do is release all the information. I think that's in the public's interest. This way people can know whether there's a serious allegation or this is more manufactured. The judge is ordering the DOJ to make public the search affidavit for Trump's Mar-a-Lago search. Hearings for congestion pricing are underway, and people aren't happy. But New Yorkers are coming together to denounce violence after an off-duty cop was viciously beaten and robbed in the Bronx. A new report says President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan will cost taxpayers hundreds of billions of dollars. Millions of Americans are behind on their power bills and are facing shutoffs of the cost of energy has risen due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Well, the judge has ordered the Justice Department to make public a redacted version of the affidavit it relied on when federal agents searched the Florida estate of former President Donald Trump to look for classified documents. The directive from U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt came hours after federal law enforcement submitted under seal the portions of the affidavit that they want to keep secret as their investigation moves forward. The judge said the department must file its redacted version by noon today. Former acting Solicitor General Neil Katal was on MSNBC. I think the Justice Department won in a totally different way today because I think that what those proposed redactions are going to be tomorrow, the part that's not redacted that we'll all get to see, I suspect it's going to have some damning information about Donald Trump. The redactions proposed by the department are likely to be extensive, so it's not clear how much new information about the investigation will be revealed Federal agents are investigating potential violations of three different federal laws, including one that governs gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information under the Espionage Act, this according to the documents that were already made public. Well, drivers got their first chance to share concerns with the MTA about its proposed congestion pricing plan. The first of six public hearings was held last night and live streamed via the MTA website with representatives to field questions and comments. Drivers told CBS2 they are not too thrilled with the idea. I don't think it's a good idea. Why? Well, we're just, inflation is here. So the more we pay, uh, the less in our pocketbook, the less we have to spend. Well, the new congestion pricing program would create tolls for driving below 60th Street in Manhattan. The idea of congestion pricing is to create some $1 billion to help save buses, subways, and commuter rail lines. But many drivers say they shouldn't have to carry the burden. Customers who don't have Easy Pass could pay up to $34.50 more per day for driving into the area. If approved, the new tolls could be implemented by late 2023 or early 2024. Well, the community is coming together last night to denounce increased violence in the Bronx. It comes days after an off-duty NYPD officer was robbed and assaulted. Protesters are demanding safer streets, not only for citizens, but for law enforcement as well. Mohammed Chowdhury, a Castle Hill resident, spoke to CBS2 is more more violation we are not secured we are not we we've not feeling secured one police officer is not secured how can i we secure so we demonstration against this because maybe we i will be next maybe someone will be next well tuesday off-duty nypd officer mohammed chowdhury went for a jog on olmstead avenue where he was attacked by three men near the tumble avenue intersection the 48 year old was hit in the head and knocked unconscious, authorities say the thieves took off in a black Honda sedan with his cell phone, keys, and wallet. 
Cops say they're trying to determine if an Inwood heist early last Friday was committed by the same violent crew where another off-duty cop was beaten unconscious. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Well, President Biden's federal student loan forgiveness plan will cost U.S. taxpayers between $440 billion and $600 billion over the next 10 years. This according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget settled on a central estimate of approximately $500 billion. This according to a report that was released yesterday. Biden announced up to $20,000 in federal student loan forgiveness on Wednesday. It's students who attend college using federal Pell Grants qualify for the $20,000, but those who didn't use the program qualify for just ten grand in forgiveness. The handout only applies to borrowers making less than $125,000 a year. I will never apologize for helping Americans working, working Americans middle class, especially not to the same folks who voted for a $2 trillion tax cut that mainly benefited the wealthiest Americans and the biggest corporations that slowed the economy, didn't do a hell of a lot for economic growth, and wasn't paid for and racked up this enormous deficit. Well, more than 43 million Americans have federal student debt, amounting to a total of more than $1.6 trillion. Nearly one-third of those owe less than $10,000, and more than half owe less than $20,000. This according to the latest federal data. Critics have argued that Biden's program will contribute to already- Record high levels of inflation in the U.S. Well, the U.S. is facing a looming crisis of utility shutoffs with a record number of households falling behind on their power bills. Industry observers and experts are telling us about 20 million U.S. households or about one out of six homes are behind their utility bills, the most on record. This according to the National Energy Assistance Directors Association. Electricity prices have soared due to rising costs for natural gas, which has skyrocketed following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in late February. All right, well, former Attorney General Bill Barr painted an unflattering image of former President Donald Trump in a wide-ranging interview this week describing his former boss as a man who relies on extortion and sabotage to maintain his grip over the Republican Party more than 19 months after leaving office. On Thursday's episode of journalist Barry Weiss's podcast, Honestly, Barr described Trump as someone who is all about himself and willing to pursue his personal agenda at the expense of the greater GOP. Abar said that while Trump's influence is exerted only on a minority of the GOP, Barr estimated that Trump controls about one-third of the party. What makes Trump powerful is his willingness to sabotage the Republican agenda if it's not on his terms. If, if it's not me, I'm going to ruin uh, your election chances by, by you know, telling my base to sit home, and I'll sabotage whoever you nominate other than me. And, uh, you know, that, that shows what he's all about. He's all about himself. Barr, who headed the Department of Justice for two years under Trump, criticized him for castigating members of their party as rhinos or Republicans in name only, contending that not only do such conservatives not exist, but that Trump has chosen to do so to purge the GOP of people he didn't like. Despite the criticism, Barr said that he would still vote for him if Trump were to run against a progressive Democrat in 2024, calling Trump the lesser of two evils. Well, House Homeland Security Committee Chair Betty Thompson and Representative Yvette Clark, chair of a cybersecurity subcommittee, are demanding that Twitter respond to allegations from a whistleblower about major security deficiencies that the Democrats said could pose national security threats. The Democrats sent a letter to Twitter CEO Parag Agrawal on Thursday asking for details about security flaws identified in whistleblower Peter Zatko's complaint and about action Twitter took in response to warnings raised by Zatko during his time at Twitter or after his 
departure. Well, Thompson and Clark underscored the need for Twitter to take proactive steps to protect users with the upcoming midterm elections around the corner, calling it an inflection point for American democracy. Zatko's lawyer, John Ty, was on Fox Business this week. Zatko was Twitter's former security chief. He filed an 84-page complaint alleging widespread security deficiencies at Twitter, according to a copy of the complaint reported by the Washington Post earlier this week. Here is Ty. This closure goes into great detail, 84 pages, single space, hundreds of footnotes, dozens of uh, enclosures, documenting how on the issues of privacy, uh, information security, physical security, uh, and uh, integrity of the, the content on the platform, um, essentially the company uh, was not doing what it said it was doing. The disclosure was reportedly sent to the Department of Justice, Federal Trade Commission, and the SEC, as well as several congressional committees. Well, two Florida residents have pleaded guilty to stealing the diary of Ashley Biden, President Biden's youngest daughter, and then selling it to right-wing activist group Project Veritas. This, according to the Justice Department, Amy Harris and Robert Kurlander pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property involving the theft of personal belongings of an immediate family member of then-former government official for taking several items belonging to Ashley Biden in September of 2020. The charge carries a maximum of five years in prison. Kurlander has also agreed to cooperate with the government, though Ashley Biden is not named in the documents. A source familiar with the case confirmed they were her belongings. Biden had stored a handwritten journal containing highly personal entries, tax records, a digital storage card containing private family photographs, and a cell phone, among other things, in a private residence in Delray Beach, Florida, where Harris was also staying after she stole Biden's items, she contacted Kurlander. They got in touch with a representative from Veritas. They met with the Veritas employee in New York City shortly after they made a contact with them. This according to the DOJ. Well, far-right representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's Georgia home was swatted for the second time in as many days as early Thursday after a person allegedly made a fake suicide threat of officers responded to Green's home just before 3 a.m. after a local 911 call center received a report from someone supposedly threatening to kill his family and himself, this according to the police report. The person who allegedly identified himself as Wayne Green claimed to have recently come out as transgender, an apparent reference to Representative Green's views on trans rights. The responding officer said they made contact with Green at her home and deemed the report to be false. Green appeared on Real America's Voice. I'll order... And we'll have a party at my house in the middle of the night with the great police officers here in Rome because I love them so much. They are not going to cause to be intimidated or back down. I'm not even scared of the left anymore at this point. A call came through on what appeared to be a suicide crisis line from an online chat, but it couldn't be tracked because the person responsible used the VPN. The Rome Police Department said in a statement that it was working in conjunction with the Capitol Police to investigate the matter. Sentence of James Connick has been carried out. The time of death was 10:16 a.m. Well, Oklahoma has executed a man for a 1997 killing, despite a recommendation from the state's pardon and parole board that his life be spared. 50-year-old James Coddington received a lethal injection yesterday at the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister. He was pronounced dead at 10:16 a.m. And Governor Kevin Stitt rejected Coddington's clemency petition and declined to commute. Coddington's sentenced to life in prison without parole. Coddington was convicted and sentenced to die for beating 73-year-old Albert Hale to death with a hammer. Prosecutors also say that Coddington 
who was 24 at the time, became enraged when Hale refused to give him money to buy cocaine. 77 WABC time check coming up on 515. Over to my left shoulder, the illustrious Justin Ellick. Yeah, that's me. Here. Yeah. 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 yeah, thanks, Frank. Yeah. Yep, I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. DeGrom Day went as planned for the New York Mets yesterday. The lanky stud was lights out against the Colorado Rockies bats in Queens, shoving six innings of one-run ball with nine Ks to go with it. The one run against DeGrom coming on a Ryan McMahon home run in the sixth. Given the dominance on the bump, it wouldn't take much from the New York offense to secure this victory. But Pete Alonso, as he usually does, made sure he did his part. And swing he does, and he launches one to deep left. Forget that. That is way out of here. Number 31 for Alonso, a two-run shot, and it's 3-0 New York. Right call courtesy of the great Gary Cohen, SNY. Number 31 on the year for Alonzo would cap the scoring for the Mets at three, and they wouldn't look back as they open up the four-game set in Colorado with a 3-1 to win. Game two is set for tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern. Chris Bassett will take the hill, going up against Colorado's Chad Cool. At, that's a cool name. As for the Yankees, they exploded on the A's out west, racking up 13 runs on 20 hits to Bury Oakland by a score of 13-4. to Big John Carlos Stan made his anticipated return, going one for four on the evening, adding this two-RBI single to his name in the second frame. It's sharply a base hit to left field. Trevino scores. Here comes IKF. He'll score. The throw comes into second. Benintendi goes to third. It's a two-run single for Stanton. And it's 4 nothing Yanks. Oh, thanks to Michael Kay and the Yes Network, Josh Donaldson would add three ribbies as well, as every starter in the Bombers lineup recorded a hit and route to the runaway win. Jamison Tyon was stellar on the mound to boot, registering one earned run over six innings of work. It'll be Garrett Cole's turn tonight at 9.40 p.m. Eastern as he gets the ball for Game 2, going up against Oakland's J.P. Sears. Look out for the Jets and Giants this Sunday at 1 p.m. at MetLife. Jets will be given three points if you're interested in throwing your life savings on the line for preseason football. Uh, I'm not. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you, Justin. We'll hear more from you later, as well as the uh, Bernie and Sid show. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great. Let's head over to Lou Dobbs with your financial report. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Ryan Lang in for Lou Dobbs. Wall Street riding a modest two-day win streak. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole comments coming today. Mortgage rates surging this week. Investors are looking for stocks to build on yesterday's rally. The Dow Jones Industrial Average finished up more than 300 points. The Nasdaq was up more than 200 points in the session. Wall Street's riding a two-day win streak after deep losses early in the week. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell delivering comments at the Central Bank's Jackson Hole retreat today. Today, investors will be watching closely for any monetary policy hints. Sentiment has swayed back and forth recently as economists weigh poor earnings outlooks and mixed economic data. The job market, meanwhile, remains resilient despite aggressive rate hikes, indicating another 75 basis point hike could be coming next month. The rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage surging this week, up nearly half a percentage point since last week. At 5.55%, the rate is getting closer to the June high mark of 5.81%. The average on a 30-year fixed is two percentage points higher than it was to start the year. Please join Lou several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Taking a look at your futures, Dow Jones down about a quarter of a percent, S&P down about one-third of a percent, NASDAQ down about a half a percent, gold 
down also about half a percent. Silver down not too much, about 0.08 percent. Crude oil up about three quarters of a percent to 73 cents at $93.25 per gallon. The WABC Early News. I meant to say barrel, not gallon. Well, buses continue to arrive at the Port Authority filled with migrants from Texas. Here's 77 WABC's Bob Brown. New York City officials are upset migrants are showing up wearing bracelets with barcodes. Manuel Castro is head of the mayor's office of immigrants. We're seeing small children and it worries us. Uh, the way that Governor Abbott is politicizing the situation. Officials waiting for migrants snipping off bracelets as they step off the bus. Governor Abbott sending busloads of migrants to New York City, a sanctuary city, and also to Washington, D.C. I'm Bob Brown for the 77 WABC Early News. Thanks a lot, Bob. Well, members of the NYPD are being told to avoid idling in groups and speaking with other officers while on duty. This, according to an internal memo that a memo that was obtained by New York One. Well, the memo outlined immediate changes to the patrol guide, including a new rule that officers should not quote congregate or engage in unnecessary conversation with other members of the service while on post, unless absolutely necessary. Supervisors are being asked to make sure officers follow. The new order. In April, Mayor Eric Adams said he was disappointed to see uniformed officers using their cell phones while on duty in subway stations. Police advocates were quick to chastise the mayor for his comments at the time. The Police Benevolent Association criticized the new changes shortly after they were widely circulated. Police are searching for the passenger who stabbed an MTA bus driver while he was operating the vehicle. The incident was reported Wednesday at Rockaway Boulevard and 150th Street just before 10.30 p.m. Authorities say the suspect became irate and started a verbal argument with the 54-year-old bus driver. That's when the passenger took out a sharp object and stabbed the driver twice in his left leg. He was taken to Jamaica Medical Center where he was said to be stable. The suspect ran away and has not yet been caught. The investigation into the incident is still ongoing, according to the NYPD. Well, as we reported earlier, the NYPD is investigating a pair of robberies in Manhattan last week. Authorities say that around 2 a.m. on August 19th, a group of men approached three victims on Dykeman Street in Washington Heights. Authorities say the men displayed firearms and pistol-whipped one of the victims, a 32-year-old man and a 36-year-old off duty cop before stealing jewelry, a cell phone, and a wallet from the victims. They then fled in a silver SUV. The victims refused medical attention at the scene. Then just a few hours later, a 44-year-old man was standing in front of his car on West 203rd Street in Inwood when the same three suspects approached him. Police say two suspects brandished firearms while taking the victim's car keys, cell phone, and wallet. Suspects then fled in the victim's 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLS 450 SUV. The victim was uninjured. NYPD Chief of Department Kenneth Corey spoke to ABC7. When we arrest them, and we will arrest them, it's going to serve as probably a surprise to no one that they all have long criminal records and have all faced almost no consequences for those actions. Police say the robberies could be linked to the group of suspects who attacked and critically injured that off-duty NYPD officer in the Bronx Tuesday morning. But that pair of incidents are still under investigation. 
Well, New York's highest court has agreed to hear an appeal from Harvey Weinstein over his 2020 rape conviction. A spokesman for the Court of Appeals said on Wednesday that oral arguments would likely be held sometime next year after this, the decision to hear the case was granted on August 19th. Weinstein was convicted in February of 2020 in New York of forcibly performing oral sex on a TV and film production assistant in 2006 and raping an aspiring actress in 2013. The 70-year-old was sentenced to 23 years in prison and is currently in custody in California awaiting trial on other assault charges. Former trial attorney Brian Buckmeyer was on News Nation. When it comes to the women who did not have charges associated with their testimony, basically what the defense is saying is these women, their, their testimony was more prejudicial than probative. That Harvey Weinstein was convicted not based on the evidence, but based on the bad feelings that the jurors must have had uh, towards him because of this insurmountable evidence that was piled on top of the actual charges. Well, back in June, an intermediate-level appeals court in New York upheld the conviction, rejecting the former movie mogul's claim that the trial judge unfairly led in testimony about accusations outside of the case. Weinstein's publicist, Judah Engelmeyer, said, quote, We are hopeful and grateful for this rare opportunity. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office has not yet commented. Republican gubernatorial nominee Lee Zeldin and accused, accused Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul yesterday of ducking him by waiting to accept outstanding invitations to debate him ahead of the November 8th election. The incumbent agreed to go head-to-head with Zeldin last week, but she has yet to say when, where, or how many times she might share the stage with him. Zeldin, by contrast, has demanded at least five showdowns in cities across the Empire State. Well, both Zeldin and Hochul faced off with their primary opponents in multiple debates before their respective party primaries in June, which they both won with ease. The governor blasted Zeldin over his support for ending a state ban on fracking during a morning appearance on WNYC's The Brian Lehrer Show. This just is another example of how Lee Zeldin is, number one, out of touch with New York values, but also how extreme and dangerous it would be to have someone who is willing to just turn back all the progress we've made to protect our planet and protect the people of our state. Well, the governor also threw shade on her opponent's positions on abortion and gun rights, two key issues in her quest for a full term in office after replacing scandal-plagued ex-governor Andrew Cuomo last August. Let's take a listen to Jacqueline Carl, who has some info on new movies coming out this weekend. Going to the movies this weekend? You know, my mom always wanted to take me to England to learn about our family history. There's a wedding coming up, actually. You should come. I would love to, but I... Come on, everyone is dying to meet you. In the film The Invitation, a young woman attends a lavish destination wedding, unaware of the horrors that await. You think you live across from a superhero? Do you have a therapist, kid? Samaritan's dead. I pick up garbage for a living, pal. The movie Samaritan, starring Sylvester Stallone, is described as a dark, fresh take on the superhero genre. Other movies opening this weekend are 3,000 Years of Longing and Alienoid. For 77 WABC Early News, I'm Jacqueline Carl. Thanks, Jacqueline. Well, if you missed out on the Top 5 at 5 and other news, be sure to check it out on our website at wabcradio.com as well as take a look at our merch on wabcradiostore.com. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.